Well, you get to a certain age. Oh, and no. Be, oh, and, no. And, and <laughs> Shannon and I have gotten to that age. Yes. Where it's very difficult to find people of a similar age to talk to. Um, they've either disappeared or they're not don't with say us it. anymore. Don't, I was going to say, don't say it. Well, don't <laughs> say dead. Don't say dead. <laughs> well, it's true, though. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, certainly our relevance is perceived and in many cases actually um, is diminished with time. Um, but you can't possibly be a baseball fan and not know who he is, appreciate what he says, recognize what he's done. And today you'll get the opportunity to listen to him talk. And certainly, well, certainly baseball fan in our country. Well, and to, some, to a great extent in the U.S., I think we sometimes underestimate that, John. But Paul Beeston, uh, now the president emeritus of the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, is not in the news every day. He was almost every day back when I was um, in the business and covering the Blue Jays and spending um, 81 days and nights at mm -hmm. various stadiums, the two stadiums that the Blue Jays had. Um, but he is he's not only brilliantly smart, he's delightfully interesting to listen to. And every once in a while, we bug him to come on. And um, today is one of those days. Uh, I, if you've never heard Beeston, where have you been? But if you haven't, don't go anywhere. Uh, the President Emeritus of the Toronto Blue Jays, Paul Beeston, when we come back after these messages. Hey, it's McCowan. It's uh, Shannon. We're back with you. Hey, can I, can I say it? Can I say it? Look who the cat dragged in. <laughs> very good john very well good. that was it, listen i've been waiting to say this once every once in a while somebody comes on that we have a great affinity for and bob never says it anymore so i wanted to say it well that's very kind of you from behind the wood pile yeah. well so he's the president emeritus of the uh toronto blue jays and I, my Latin first question again. is what in the name of the baby jesus does the president emeritus actually do anything nothing Nothing. Absolutely oh. nothing. Um, got, got all the answers, none of the responsibility. Perfect. It's a perfect <laughs> job that everyone should aspire to. Yeah, well, so you got absolutely nothing. But I, I'd like to think that I'm still the number one cheerleader. And, you know, and I'm kind of uh, kind of looking at this season. You know, I've got, got on the roller coaster with everybody else. Well, having the answers is, is useful only if somebody asks the questions. Uh, does anybody ask you any questions? No, that's my point. They don't. But I volunteer them. You know, I try not to be shy. I was going to um, say but, I'm shocked. <laughs> I try not to be shy, but no, no. And uh, on, on, the, on the other on the other hand, I have uh, I have absolutely no complaints. I watch it like you guys do as a fan, and you know, I, it's easy to be a critic, and it's easy to be a fan when we start to win, like last night. Give it up, bring it back, win it in the bottom of the ninth. Kind of a fun time. Well, in, in all seriousness, I mean, I assume you have dialogue with the uh, the uh, the president of the club, maybe the general manager of the club. You right. deal with these guys. Um, well, what are those conversations about generally? Well, I mean, uh, to be quite honest with you, Bob, now they've been here for seven years. I'll tell yeah. you what, it, it, it really has. It really has. It's, it's their show. Um, and so um, I had a number of conversations early on with uh, with both Mark and with Ross, but particularly with Mark. You know, we had a very good dialogue. It was a healthy dialogue. Um, you know, tried to bring him up to date as to, you know, the way that we did things in the past and why we did things that way. Um, but after seven years. Um, I don't want to say that the game has changed and, you know, those guys are current, but the game has changed and they're current in the way that, you know, you put together a team, uh, the way that um, you uh, develop players, the way that you uh, scout players. All of that is, is so much fundamentally different from the way that uh, we did it back in 70s, 80s, 90s. The aughts and basically, you know, back in the early two in the early uh, 2010s. I mean, it, it, it's changed and not for just the Toronto Blue Jays, for everybody. You know, it, it's it's a different game. I mean, from the different game that you were down here watching and you know, announcing and all that. Uh, if you start looking at it right now, uh, the game, I, it, the game, the way it's played, the strategy behind it. Um, I mean, there, I don't think there's any question that you know that these young players right now are are terrific athletes and probably better athletes than they were back in the in those days. Um, is this much fun? I don't know. I'm a guy that doesn't like the shift. 
Okay, but I think that we're better off. I like base runners. I didn't mind the bunt. I didn't like uh, don't like like that as much as I like the old stuff. On the other hand, it's not the Toronto Blue Jays that are playing the game that way. It's thirty teams that are playing the mm-hmm. game that way and doing it in the minor leagues. Well, I, I want to. We are all of an age where we can remember when we were younger, and we all used to look at people who are our age now and say, well, they're dinosaurs. They don't really understand. Da, 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 da. Uh, I confess I'm probably that way. And I don't know whether you are too, but um, you know, all of the, the, the statistical detail that not just organizations, but fans can run through their head and say, this guy is better than this guy because of this metric that's been used to analyze it. And I, I blame Bill James for a lot of this. I don't know whether you do, right? But I don't get it. And um, that you know, you mentioned the shift. I'm with you. I think the shift is the most overused thing in, in baseball. And we saw last night, right? Two bait ground balls to the right side, where if they weren't in a shift, they would have been outs, and they wound up costing the Boston Red Sox games. Well, well there's no question about that, Bob. Do you, no have, question, do, you have, do you have any of these conversations? Way, how, do you, how do you stop that? The other way is do, the way you talk about it. You know they got the shift to, they got the shift between second and third? Hit to right. Yeah. It can't be as easy as you and I think it is. It just yeah, simply can. can't be that easy because otherwise everybody would do it. But you know what? The bottom line is that's the way that you're going to stop the shift if you're, if you're going to do it. But now you're going to four outfielders. You know, it, it, they're, they're just – they're just things that are different. On the other, we've got to understand that the game has changed, and that you know um, there's different ways of playing it. And what I'm sure that we were talking about, I now know what Bobby Maddock used to talk about back in the '70s. Basically, you should have seen Rogers Hornsby play. You know, <laughs> this is the way that you play, and we leave the glove out there. You know, at third base, you know, you don't do this. This game has changed. These guys can't hit. They can't run. They can't do anything. Give me a guy who can bunt, you know. Hey, you can't find those. But you know what? The bottom line is, you know, everything evolves. And you, and, and you grow into it. And at the end of the day, it's still the game without a clock, you know. And as long as the games are too long, and we can talk about that, you know, the bottom line of it is, you know, when there is no clock and you can get a game like last night, I mean, it's exciting. I mean, yeah. you can't. It, it's entertainment at its best. But but the the, the paradigm shift <laughs> the Hornsby Matic that's fantastic, but the paradigm shift of hitting the long ball, hitting the long ball, hitting the long ball that's the way you win. That and you like the bunt. Not many guys can hit to the opposite field anymore. That's really that's really quite obvious. I mean those those you know the, what are the five tool guys? Right? Are there five tool guys anymore? No, there's very few of them. There's very few of them, but there was always very few of them. I don't think that it, it it's 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 really going too far to say that these guys are in better shape than the athletes of the past. I mean, they play the game better, they run faster, they can throw, uh, but it is different. But they spend more time on the DL or the uh, IL, I guess what it's called right now. Um, they spend more time on the IL. Um, you know, there's you know load management. Uh, there's all those things, but the, the 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 fact of the matter is, it's it's still the same game in a lot of ways, and maybe that's for the worse, and we should be looking at it differently. Uh, but you know, it's still you know the, the 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 game that was played back in the in the in the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties. It's still a game played. It's still in a lot of ways the same game now, whereas the other games have all evolved. I mean, you know, the basketball's evolved in the way that they've changed that with the three points. Football's evolved, and, you know, and how you're doing. Hockey clearly has. Take out the center line. I mean, you know, all of those things. But, you know, you, I mean, I think if you look at the other sports, how many of those guys, when you can really measure them, how the, the guys, John, I mean, hockey's your sport. I mean, and, and the, the speed. I mean, watch yeah. them right now. You, you cannot believe how fast they are, and 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 the way they execute at that speed. And you and you think back, and I had a discussion. We went over to Niagara Falls yesterday with our grandkids, and we were having the discussion of the the best hockey player of all time. You know, and I always gets into well, we start with Bobby Orr, and then you go, Bobby Orr is not even close to what these guys are right now. You know, and so you know their old timer is Wayne Gretzky. You know, and so sure. and Bobby Orr is not Wayne Gretzky. And you know these 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 are are, are are kids that are ten to thirteen. 
And but you know, it's 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 a great debate. It's it's a great debate. And so I'll start with Kel McCart. I mean, like as you know, as as and watching what he did, I said you should have seen. He controlled the game. He controlled the game. No, it gets back to you know, Sammy Politau used to say, you had to see, you had to see Doug Harvey at his best. Okay, that's right, because he controlled the game. I mean, you know, like and and he was tough. Well, you know, but that the 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 thing that jumps out to me about hockey and then baseball is the the biggest change in hockey is technology yeah it's it's just yeah. like golf the biggest yeah. change in golf is technology you know the the, the sticks you know right. the states the, the 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 light equipment the, the 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 texture of the sweaters i mean the guys aren't I mean, when they sweat they're not putting 40 pounds on their bodies <laughs> no no but 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 john in, in, in fair in fairness i mean those, those are those are the elite those are the pros i've changed the equipment I've worn the different outfits. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but we, yeah, but we're not, not a, we're not we're not we're not at, we're not at Rosedale anymore. You know, I, exactly. We'll go up there, and it's still not changed. You know what? Let's just. I got a good technology. Let's move up a team. Okay, <laughs> that's good. We can pick up. We can pick up 10, 15 yards. Let's just move up a team. Oh. It works out very well. That's good technology, that one. Yeah, the, pro- but, the but problem. You're absolutely right. You know, and you haven't been down there, Bob. I sure haven't been down there yet, but I, I will get down there. But what they constructed in down in Dunedin, uh, from what we had to what they have right now, sure. uh, is state of the art. And, you know, and it is probably the best in baseball and one of the best in sports. But five years from now, it'll be kind of down and in the middle of the pack because something new will come along. But if, if you look at the at the support staff that these players have right now, and this isn't all sports. I mean, you know, it's not just the, it's not just baseball, but I mean the support staff from nutritionists to physiotherapists to massage people to you know your individual weight people. I mean, one hitting coach now, you don't have one hitting coach. All teams have two, you know, pitching coach. You know, the guy in the bullpen is actually a, a pitching coach right now, and maybe they've got somebody else, but the support staff. I mean, you know, we're we're short. We're shortly getting to the fact that to move teams from A to B is going to require a seven forty seven, <laughs> well, and they're not being used anymore. <laughs> yes, Bob. I was going to say, well, we go back to an era where um, spring training was seven weeks, and players would show up early. And um, frankly, I loved it because seven weeks in Florida was uh, wasn't wasn't hell. Uh, in the middle of a, a Toronto winter. Now you would come and go. Right. Uh, you 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 were never there for the whole of training camp, were you? Never, ever, never. Um, and and Gillick would come and go more or less too, uh, although he was there, I think, more than you were. Uh, but one of the things we saw this year on that topic was a reduced training camp. Um, and at the end of the day, I think that's the future. I don't, I think these guys are in shape. They have the ability to work out on their own. They do work out on their own. You have this advanced facility in Dunedin that they can use anytime they want. So if they want to be there early, they can be there early. The only thing you're really taking away is games. Yeah. Um, like what would be, what would be the ideal spring training now? Would you, if it was up to you, would you play more than 20? Well, I might play more than 20 because for a couple of reasons, Bob. Number one is Pitching. you get guys at bats and you get pitchers to have the, you know, the, the, to, to stretch out. I mean, so yeah. I think you need a little bit further than that. The second thing about it is, which is good, uh, when you have a little bit longer, you, you actually have the ability to look at some prospects. You know, and so you've got guys with AAA that will get some major league experience or at least be able to play with the major league team and do that type of thing. But you are quite right. I mean, you don't need it quite as long as it is in the past. I mean, you, you know, we would have, if we're supposed to start, I, I want to make it February the 14th if there wasn't the CBA uh, dispute. I mean, mm-hmm. I think they were supposed to, February 14th, they were supposed to be there. Maybe it was February the 13th. And guys would have been there two weeks in advance. And, you know, and more important than that, you know, they would have worked out probably from at least December 15th or, you know, December 1st, take a month off. And then, you know, you still do your cardio. You probably start, you know, you have your own hitting tunnel. You do all those types of things. Pitchers are throwing. I think at the very end of the day, you're 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 100 percent right. And you can get around it because you could do this. This sport is, is kind of funny because, you know, people don't think about it. We're the only sport that when it gets to, you know, the end of the season where the games mean something in September, we expand the roster. Mm-hmm. Most of them, you know, freeze their rosters, you know. And so we should be starting out maybe with 30 players. 
or 28 players or 29 players and cutting it back as you get, that's a way around kind of shortening spring training because you know what, you've been down there. I mean, that last two weeks and the last week definitely, you know, is hell. Is hell. It's putting in time. Let's get on with it. Let's have these games mean something. You know, the team is the team is now constructed and let's get going with it. But you know what? I I I think you I think you will see it, but I think you're also gonna see players in so much better shape and you know and and re- and re- and ready to play when they when they come. It's not it's not a matter of getting into shape. Actually, you 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 talked about uh, being able to look at prospects. That tweaked me to what's happened over the last couple of years to minor league baseball, and it's it's really changed. How how much of an influence will that have on the future of major league baseball teams? Well, I think it's going to have a lot of future. A lot of uh, uh, John. I mean, here here's what happened. Here's what happened. I mean, and 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 it goes around in a circle. It evolves. I mean, um, back in the forties, you know, teams had. 20 minor league teams, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, the Dodgers, I mean, you know, they, they went all the way down. There were leagues everywhere, you know, when baseball and boxing were really basically the two, the two big sports. Uh, and then it got down where, you know, you had your triple A team, your double A team, you had your high A, your low A. Uh, then they always start with Gulf Coast League. And then, you know, boy, we're getting a lot of Latin players. So now we'll start with the Dominican League. There got to be too many. There got to be too many teams and with, with few prospects. I mean, because, you know, what, what team has more than a legitimate four or five prospects? I mean, somebody might surprise you, but you know, by the time that they get there. So what you've got, what you've got now is everybody's got the same number of teams. I mean, you know, right. there's 120 teams. Um, they cut out, uh, they cut out 42 teams. And I got, I, I got to admit, I feel bad for the, for the cities and the towns because, you know, uh, they are invested in them. They're, they're the small towns. I mean, you know, we used to have great baseball in Canada, the small towns, which we don't anymore. I mean, you had to go to Medicine Hat when it was really, really moving. I mean, you know, we had a lot of good players go through there. I would think, you know, at one point in time, I would believe that, you know, that team of the early 80s, everybody played in Medicine Hat. I mean, at, at, at some point, Calgary had a team. Sherbrooke had a team. Uh, London, Ontario had a double-A team. You didn't have those things. None of those cities exist anymore for the for, for minor league baseball. So you're right. That is the problem because, you know, that's a that's kind of a tool. A guy plays in Welland. You know, like I, I remember talking to um, uh, Tim Wakefield. Who was the knuckleball pitcher for the, for the Red Sox? Wakefield. Yeah. Tim Wakefield. Tim Wakefield. Tim Wakefield. We were at the World Series in 2018. We are just talking. We were in a, in a box. And he said, he said, he said uh, where are you from? And I said, uh, well, you won't have heard of it. So I'll, I'll tell you Niagara Falls, but I'm really from Welland. He said, do you know the Nero's? I said, pardon? He said, I lived with them when I played there. Okay, <laughs> he played the season of Welland. You know, and it was kind of that, that kind of, it was kind of, was kind of, it, it wow. really brought back memories of what minor league baseball was all about, the fun that, and the fun that, but the fun that it, that it created in the community. And, you know, the bonding that was there for the players. Uh, but, you know, back then, what would you have? At that time, you probably had a manager who coached third base, a first base coach who was probably, probably a player, maybe the pitcher from the night before, okay, mm-hmm. and one or two other coaches. Now you go down there, and it's kind of a replica of major leagues. I mean, they all have, you know, a hitting coach, pitching coach, manager, first base coach, third base coach. They work on the fundamentals on that. So the game has changed. So it's it's inevitable these guys are actually going to come up and you know be better players because they're getting better instruction, they're getting better nutrition, they're in better shape, and everything is there. So caliber of baseball in minor leagues is really really pretty good. Well, my recollection is when when the organization started in 1977. I don't know if you remember or not, but I want to say you had seven minor league clubs. Do you well, remember? Not, not 77, Bob, but we did we did by that 79. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, you're right. That was our first year. We had, we we literally had a, a an A club in the New York Penn League, which was Utica. You're right. And then the next year we kind of graduated, so we got to Syracuse. And I don't know whether that was seven or seven, but we did get seven. You got yeah, that's what I was going to say. There were seven right. at, at at one point, and now what do you got? Four, five, five. But there is a there is a Dominican League, you know. So that, that well, you've got you've, you've got well, I go I go through them for you. Okay, sure. you got Buffalo, and then that's a, that's a Triple A team, and then New Hampshire's Double A team. The high A team is Vancouver, which is good because it gives players the chance to get into Canada, see that you know that this is not a third world country. Um, you know that it's a, that that, it, that it's good. And then we got Dunedin, which is the which is low A. 
Then you got a Gulf Coast League team, which plays basically complex baseball, and you got the Dominican League. I mean, so you still got you've you've still got six teams, and most teams have that. But you know, you can't before if you could negotiate, you know, three or four A teams, you could do it. But you know, nobody can do it in baseball right now. They kind of mandated down to 120. Um, we were talking earlier about the shift. Do you think baseball will eliminate the shift during this coming off season? Um, I, I, well, I, I'll tell you what, the answer to that has got a good chance now as it ever will have, because it's being discussed. I mean, that's the one thing. I mean, you know, it's being discussed by people like yourself. You know, it's being discussed by, by writers. It's being discussed by, you know, owners and by, by general managers. So the answer to that is if it's going to change, I mean, that, I think everybody recognizes that we need more action, that you can't have seven or eight hits in the game. You know, and it gets back to John's point because I think it, it's right. Everyone say hit to right because there's that opening or the hit to left because there's that opening. You know, it's not that easy. And <laughs> these pitchers, I mean, the, we're, we're in this change. I mean, where you, you, you really fundamentally see it is that, you know, five or six innings is a lot. You're seeing four or five pitchers a game. In the past, you know, you think of the number of pitchers that had complete games. I mean, you'd try to get two or three guys that, you know, would – give you at least nine innings 20 times a year. Oh, yeah. You, get it. you know, now now all of a sudden the, the pitching change. So you've got that issue, too. So you've got a number of issues that have kept down the base runners, you know. But at the same point, at the same point in time, you know, there are some things that could change, which I believe is the shift. What about well, the pitching clock? I think no. – <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, you're talking. I mean, I you're, like you're, you're talking the wrong. You're talking. The, I never thought I would say it. I thought I was traditionalist. I, I, and the one thing is that you know we. The beauty of baseball is it doesn't have a clock. The problem yeah. of baseball is it doesn't have a clock. You know, <laughs> you know, like we got to keep the game moving. But you know, it. it we, the, the good thing about the minor leagues, you know, is that they've actually tested it. You know what I'm mm -hmm. making, and this it's up. working. Twenty five minutes. 25 minutes, you know, you don't need a nine inning game. That's going to go three and a half to four hours, you know, and, 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 and that's not the, that's not the, um, uh, the happening all the time, but it's not an exception either. I mean, there's enough of them and you can check out last night's games, 15 games. My bet is that there are at least three or four games with over three and a half hours. But when, when you and Bud were together in New York, when you were the COO, was was time management, game management of that time? Was that uh, was that starting to be an issue for you when you were running Major League Ab Baseball? Absolutely, John. I mean, this has been this has been an issue for the last twenty five years, maybe thirty years, um, because it just kept on creeping up. From the time you know, we used to pay uh, Bob by the hour to announce our games back in nineteen seventy seven. No, you did not. So he had he had, he had to commit. He had what? to commit a good. He had to commit a good two hours. And, and, <laughs> and let me tell you what, you know what? He never got cheated. He'd get there about two minutes before, like, where's McCown? Where's McCown? And then he'd show up, the golden voice would go on, and we would go, and he'd be gone in two hours. By the he way, Paul, nothing's changed. I hear you. I get the photo. But, you know, he... But 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 now you know you see it got two minutes two ten two twenty okay and you know, and you average out and so by the time I left New York my bet is that we were two thirty five or two forty and really with the odd game going three hours you know you were Buddy was really looking at that he was focused on it he didn't call it time a game though he called it pace a game he called it pace a game you know because the game you know as long as like i think we all recognize that as long as the pace is good that there's some interest in the game that there guys on base that there's that there's scoring that there's you know that that there's interest in it, that that's not an issue this is the problem though i mean right now it's three hours you know and they they've done a couple of things you know uh, obviously you know, when they when they brought in the you know so many mound visits eliminate that well maybe that takes a minute i mean you know maybe it takes a minute or two minutes off the game you know you, the, the the pitcher has to pitch you know relief pitch has to go three three batters that you know so they don't have these changes and the switch ups i i guess what i would say i guess what i would say is that the, the time clock it's time for the time clock it's mm -hmm. it's time to look at it if it's working in the minor leagues and everyone will adjust every everyone will adjust you know, the one thing that I think is talked about too little, I don't know if it's talked about at all, but I think about it regularly, is why are the games longer than they used to be? Because uh, we had guys who were finickety at the plate who wouldn't step into the box. We had all that kind of stuff. But here's what I, I know you know. The games we used to love were when Doc was on the mound. 
Halliday was on the mound because right. you had a chance of 159. Right. Doc was one of the quickest guys. Doc's games were among the quickest. So what's the difference between a Doc Halliday and anybody else? Because it didn't feel like he, the game moved any faster, that he was deliberately quicker to the plate than anybody. He was around the plate all the time. The ball was in play more often. Right. Now we've got guys trying to throw 100, and they don't know where it's going half the time. And so that has created this incredible shift in the paradigm of baseball. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, we, we now have, as you talked about earlier, we all know, you get five, six innings out of a starting pitcher, you're happy. No question. You know, and, 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 and then you've got four pitching changes, five pitching changes in a game. Well, that takes some time too. But mostly it's guys, it's at-bats well, are longer. You're, you're, you're quite right about that, Bob. I mean, you know, it's, it's not that just the bats are longer, but the pitcher, you know, on the mound, you know, kind of fooling around or by a steady at the back of the mound. I'm not 100% certain, but, you know, we had one guy that was quicker than Doc, and Doc was really quick. But, you know, when Mark Burley was here, sure. Mark Burley. Oh, yeah. He, Another he was, one. I mean, he was one that, you know, I think he considered, you know, forget whether he got the win. I get the game in under two hours, you know, like, but he was there. And, you know, he never shook the catcher off, you know, whatever the catcher did, you know, it's your game. I'll kept, I'll throw it, you know, and, and it, was, it was, it was, it was a bit, it was a bit different. But, you know, the quite, quite, quite frankly, they've got to do something about it. They've got to but do something th like Think about the comparison, you know, and you, yep. th that, Two guys who didn't throw the overpowering fastball. Neither one right. of them. Right. And they were try they were they were their skill set was to be able to throw it as often as they could where right. they wanted it to, where they right. wanted it to. It, you know, it had movement on it. It didn't matter uh, what the velocity was, or velo as I guess everybody likes to call it now. <laughs> and right. we're in a different era where velo is everything, right? Well, that's right. I mean, just get in there, throw, throw as hard as you can and have for as few players or whatever it is, but get your outs and get out of there because most of what you, you watch, you watch the, the box scores. If you, if you, if you read them at the end, you know, most of those games, now you have your pitcher and the ideal game goes six innings. You have someone for the seventh, someone for the eighth, someone for the ninth. Right. There's no such thing as a, a three inning save anymore. And in fact, you know, a two inning save gets mentioned. I mean, boy, he went two innings. You know, yeah. but, you know, but three innings, you know, it didn't matter what the score was. You'd always get the same. I mean, if you had the, if you had the three, so I don't know what they're going to do, but they, they, they clearly have to, they clearly have to some, but, you know, being a baseball fan and liking what I see, I mean, I can hardly wait to the ends of the ends of the, some of these games because, you know, they can be that exciting. Yeah. I don't want, I don't like the New York Yankees. Okay. I don't hate the New York Yankees, but you know what? It must be something to be in New York right now. They've got, what, 10 or 11 walk-offs. I yeah. mean, you're almost compelled to stay there right to the end because it doesn't matter what the you score don't know. is. And that's the beauty of that. That's the beauty of the game. And it's not like we're going uh, four on four, like, you know, in the hockey or three on three or whatever it's going to be. Like, this is the regular game. Now, what I do like, which has, fat, which has moved up the games, I am one of the probably few old timers that like the phantom runner at second base. I, I watched it. I will first for extra innings. I think, and that one, the other day, the, the, the one, the other day in down in Chicago, where we lost, where, you know, we scored in the top of the 10th, they scored in the bomb at 10th. We scored in the top of the 11th, they scored in the bomb at 11th. We go to the 12th, get to, we don't score. They come in and they beat us. But there, there's something that, that I find that quite unique because, Depending where you are and how you play, are you going to bunt, sacrifice, try to get a run? One run, obviously, on the road doesn't really work that well. It showed that showed for us anyway. Um, we got to take a break, but I just want to make mention. You know, you know, I, I I I I tend to agree with you about the runner on second base, except the things that I think of most fondly when I go back to the uh, late seventies, early eighties with the Toronto Blue Jays is um, when we used to have extra inning games or or fog delays or whatever right, right. down at the old stadium. Well, sure. And you and I and um, Gillick and Elliot Wally and a handful of others used to sit in the Polish press box, as we used right. to call it, which was a concrete was, yeah, uh, uh, television place. And, and, we, and there were nights we'd sit there till one o'clock in the morning for yeah. extra innings and whatever. And it was among the most memorable time of my life, just yeah. telling stories and, and guys would walk in um, and probably every Big name baseball guy at some point walked in there to say hello or to chat. 
But Bob, but you're one hundred percent right. Okay, and but but here's the here here is the counter to that. Okay, just for, for oh, this, I know. This, yeah, no, no, because the next night you probably knew you're having two hour twenty minute game. Okay, and yep. the day before you had two hours twenty. <laughs> so now all of a sudden you've had the three hour game. So if we get the pace, we get the game is still great. The game has just changed, and it is what it is. Uh, we got to take the break. Paul Beeston is uh, with us, the president emeritus of the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Back after this. Bob McCowan, it's John Shannon, and Paul Beeston is uh, with us. Um, I, I don't want to dwell on this um, um, shift thing, uh, but I, I, I can't. I, I remember this as distinctly as anything. Uh, you played baseball when you were a kid, I assume. Uh, played baseball very badly, but yes, the answer is yes. Um, I'll bet you there was a coach at some point because I know I had one who used the phrase "hit them where they ain't." That's right. And and I want to I, I want to attribute it to Casey Stingle because most stupid things said in baseball are attributed to him. But I don't think it was him who said that. But that was a philosophy that coaches I was taught. Yeah, I was taught to try and hit the ball where somebody wasn't. If, right. a, if, a, if an infielder was moved to one side or the other, try and hit it where, where he left. If an outfielder was playing too shallow or an outfielder was playing too deep, try and hit it there. Yep. And we actually used to go through what would, would have been like BP, and we were told that. And I, I remember we, we'd even do that when there was nobody in the field. You know, try and hit it to left, right. try and hit it to right, do all this. Who was the best you ever saw at hitting it where they ain't? Well, I'll tell you what, for a couple of years there, just recently because of the shift was Guriel. But, you know, the, the best, the, maybe the best was Molitor. I mean, Molitor could hit where he wanted to use the yeah. whole field, as, as could Tony Fernandez. I mean, and so I'm looking at guys that, you know, the, that I saw on a regular basis. I mean, so there are sure pro probably other guys out there. I mean, guys that hit singles, guys like Wade Boggs of that could always hit it where it ain't. You know I mean? I think that's, I think that's probably it. But if I had to go back to guys that, 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 that have been around and, and I'll tell you what, when the shift started to become predominant about three or four years ago, I mean, you know, Guriel could always go to right. I mean, like he, could, he was able, he, he was able, he was able to do it. And that's kind of, you know, you're giving up your power, you're giving up your potential home run, you're giving up your, maybe your, maybe um, uh, some dollars along the way, but it's a, it's, it's, it's part of the, it's part of the team part of it. Can that well, the same thing be said for the bunt, Paul? Yeah, I think so. But not everybody can bunt. Yeah, uh, different you know, guys. Maddox, but hold Maddox, on. Why, why, why not? Why not? I don't, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that. Because they don't work out at least. Yeah. No, but Bobby always used to say, Bobby always used to say, this guy will never be able to bunt her. He can bunt her, whatever it is. But, he, you know, we'll teach him. But, you know, and, and some guys, you know, they couldn't teach to, couldn't teach to bunt. I liked it. I liked it. the strategy. I liked the idea of getting a runner in scoring position. And, you know, basically what they would tell you right now, if you go to the analytics, why would you give up an out? You know, that's the thing. And, you know, then they come up with a, their algorithm that shows that, you know, that giving up a giving up an out is going to cost you more games than you're going to win by by that way. So I don't know what it is, but I, I suspect the numbers don't lie, but it's not as quite as, as quite as interesting. You know, Jerry Reinsdorf, we're going back to the shift and everything. Sure. He had a theory that, you know, you can't have an infielder on the grass. OK, he's got to be in the dirt or in. OK, you can't be in the outfield grass. You know, so put anybody you want anywhere you want, but you know you have to have four that are on the dirt. Okay, first baseman, second baseman, short stuff. To me. I don't know whether I agree with that, but I'll tell you what—it's another way of doing it because you see these, you know, the shift is when the shift is to uh, on, the, on the second base side, so between first and second, you know, the guy's playing short right field and he throws him out. If the ball's in hard enough. Um, before we move on, I'll tell you that the, the guy that I I remember as. Every time he came to the plate, I looked for where the hole was because I knew he was going to try and hit it there, and that was Rod Carew. And oh, he yeah. did it probably better than anybody I think I ever saw. I mean, no with question. due respect. Yeah, uh, and, and probably bunted better than anybody ever saw, too. Sure he did. Like more, he, he, more ground he ball singles than anybody Absol I ever saw. Yeah, ab absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and did it so consistently. <laughs> well, that's why what was he hit? 330 or 340 career? I oh, mean, yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, just to, to one one more thing on the on the time of the game, and you guys were talking about Burley and Halliday. Was Roger Clemens fast? Did he pitch fast? Um, yes, when um, no one was on base. When someone's on base, you know, like uh, 
the, yeah, I, I would say he pissed. He he pitched. He pitched okay. I don't think he pitched. I mean, he wasn't certainly in their category, John. But you know, he didn't. He didn't fool around. And everybody was on their toes when Roger was there. I mean, you know, the real, the real guy, the, the real guy that pitched that, that pitched it pretty good. I don't know where his numbers were. Was Steve? I mean, you know, he was the Oof. guy that you know, was pitching catch too. And and it was and it was a uh, he he made sure he made sure that everyone was ready and. They made sure they were ready because they didn't need the glare. Um, you know, should they make a should they should they screw up in some way, shape, or form? But no, the very at the very end, Roger. I mean, no, Roger was interested. I think one of the great things in baseball with great pitchers is the guy on third base with nobody out. And I used to love Roger Clemens. It was kind of was kind of watching Ricky Henderson on first. Everyone knew he was going to second. You know, like the catcher knew, the first baseman knew, the shortstop knew, the pitcher knew, everyone knew. And Ricky always ended up in second. You know, it was a great thing to watch. And Goose Gossage, when, you know, he was back here, you know, we got black guys throwing 93, 94, you know, like and no one could touch him. You know, a fastball then, 85, 86. Well, now you don't make it almost to the major leagues unless you're throwing 93, 94. Then how many guys are throwing 100 miles an hour now? You know, so the game, the game, the game has, cha- has changed that way. But Roger, I, I, I want to call him. I still don't call him quite. I'll tell you one thing. You know, we're talking about old guys reminiscing about the past. Here's something I don't understand. Um, we go through more baseballs in a major league game today than we used to go through in a season. Um, in one game, you go through more baseballs than a season. Uh, yeah, uh, a ball hits the ground in any way, shape, or form. Um, it's throw hit it somewhere. They throw it out. Um, as a, a former pitcher of little note, um, I wanted the baseball to be as scuffed up as I possibly could get it. In right. fact, baseball went through an era, and we lived through that era, where pitchers used to take everything but a um, um, a. a a circular saw out to the mound Some to did. try and scuff up the baseball. Right. So they could get movement on it. Why in the name of baby Jesus, would a pitcher throw out a, a, an almost brand new baseball. Now I, I'd, I'd want to play with the same ball as long as I could. Well, I, I watched it the other night. Gauss would throw out too. I mean, like right, I, I'm, I'm the same at bat, like the, 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 well, actually the same pitch. It's whether the seams are too high, whether the seams are too low, whether they're not. Well, I get that. Up, but... I know. I but I, Bob, you were 100 percent right. Now, Cito, he claims that you know the guy who started this throw, the pitches and everything was George Bell. He said when the ball hit the dirt, George said, "Kick it out." Okay. Now it's like it's almost every pitch, and you know I'm our old pal Pete Pavese. You know, like can, can we get through the season with less than a thousand <laughs> balls? Okay. <laughs> A thousand dozen, a thousand dozen balls. Okay, oh. and, and no, and I'm being serious. I mean, it was counted, it was monitored, and everything else. And man, oh man, right now you can't get you can't get through a homestand with a thousand dozen balls. It seems they're throwing them into the stands, they're throwing them out, they're doing whatever it was. And the other ones, you know, we would always send down the minor leagues. I don't know where. Actually, it's a good question. Where do these balls go now? Well, <laughs> what what does a baseball cost now? What is about? Do you know what a ball? No, no. What is there? All I know is gas is two oh four point nine. Okay, I, I don't know what it means. They're, they're not they're not cheap, but you know, and, and that part of it all started with the, the lockout. You know, we started giving the balls to the fans and everything. But between that and you know, giving the balls now, you know, or, or throwing balls out. I mean, it, it's it's ridiculous. You never see an umpire look at it and say, you know, rub it up and put it back in his pocket anymore. No. That they just go, they just go right out. So it's a foul, it's a fair question. I'm going to get the I'm going to get to the bottom of it. And next year, when you invite me, I'll have an answer to how much a baseball costs and how many we're using. Well, it's a big number. I can I can assure oh, there's no people question. that there's absolutely no question. Um, we we don't want to keep it too much longer, but uh. And this is an impossible question to answer. Uh, but I often look at when, when start, I guess starting last year, when this team started to look like it was going to be pretty good and a competitive team. Um, I, tr- I thought back to, you know, the era that the eras that you and I were around where, um, you know, ni- the 92, 93 seasons, but leading up to that. And then the 15, 16 seasons uh, as well. Do you have any thoughts on how this year's team potentially compares to those? 
Well, I hear people saying that, you know, this team is better. Let's, so let's get back to what I was talking about before. This, these athletes better than the other athletes or not. But it's pretty hard to beat those 92, 93 teams. I mean, those were, those, that was a collection of all-stars and Hall of Famers. Okay. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a collection of just some really good baseball players. I mean, and you can go around the diamond. But I mean, you know, and those 92 and 93 teams, the players that were in it, whether it was Robbie Alomar, whether it was um, uh, Paul Molitor, whether it was Dave Winfield, whether, you know, we, you, you could go through, there's more than that, but Ricky Henderson was here, you know, then you get guys like Tony Fernandez and Joe Carter, Devon White. I mean, these guys are, these guys are all-stars, you know, and it was all there, the pitching staff in the same way. And you closed it off and Dwayne Ward and, and, um, and Tom, Tom Hankey, you know, yeah. they don't get credit for being in the hall of fame, but look at, let's not forget how good they really were and for how long they were good. And, you know, we had that one, two, combination so it, it's tough now i gotta tell you i really enjoyed last year you know and i was really anticipating like everybody this year and i think for the future that's why i like you know these next three months because i don't think we've really played terrific baseball and yet you know we're 10 games over 500 if it all starts to come together you know this could be a fun team for the next three months and you no know, i'm really looking forward to it. you know we're not playing we, we, i just don't think we're playing as well as we could can i'm sure the players think the same way but this, this is a good baseball team with, with some really, really good baseball players on it. I was going to say that it, it, this team, I, I, I didn't want to put the, the world championship teams in play, but I, I was thinking 85-86. You know, the, 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 that was a team that was, you know, the ones that finished at Exhibition Stadium and George Bell was so good. And that's, that's a team that had Bell everything. Barfield and Mosby. But Bell Barfield and Mosby. I mean, made all, all, all around that whole team was good. Then when we got Dewey Alexander, if you recall that, right. Henke came up in 85. So, I mean, that's, that's where, you know, we got, we got our closer. But guys were going, you know, like, can we get to Henke? You know, that was, you know, like, so the guys got to go eight innings. But you had Dave Steed, you know, at not All-Star. Dave Steed, people will dispute this, but he could have been the best pitcher in baseball for four or five years. I mean, if you look at the overall statistics and you look at, the new metrics that they use in a day and age, this day and age, forget war and all that, but, you know, is ERA plus or whatever it is, you know, and a, a, a guy, he, he, he was a fed, he was a fantastic, fantastic um, foundation for, for the team. And so I think John Drake, because this team's young too. And, you know, yeah. and, we'll, and we'll, and we'll see, and we'll see what they do. Yeah. I got to ask you this question. I've never asked you this before. Um, I think I always acknowledged as you just did, how good Dave Steve was. And if anybody, anybody who didn't see him pitch, boy, he was something. And he was pretty quick too. His games were pretty quick, mostly because nobody could hit him. Um, but Dave Steve was probably the biggest asshole that I've ever known um, in baseball. And I got to ask you, did you get along with Dave? Yeah, I mean, to the extent that anybody could get along with Dave, I mean, you know, he was. Which is the, so that's no. The answer is yes. Well, the answer is, you know, he kind of evolved. I mean, there was there was Dave Steve. There was Dave Steve of the early years, and there was Dave Steve of the kind of the later years. But from a point of view of his um, his commitment and his ability to win and his confidence, um, you know, I am sure the players back in the you know early 80s and even maybe up to 85, 86, you know, they would be stared down. Um, you know, they would, you know, it was never his fault if anyone got a hit. Uh, you know, it was either the umpire's fault, it was the catcher calling the wrong, the wrong, uh, wrong pitch, it was a, p- a player out That's of position, true. it was a player making error, but it, it wasn't going to be his fault. On the other hand, I mean, he was a, he was, he was, he was uh, as good a pitcher as this organization has ever had, and I'm talking about including Roger Clements. I mean, because you know, this guy could, no this guy, you. This guy, this guy was special. I mean, there's no other way of looking at it. Yeah. He was, he was special, and and the numbers that he put up for the number of years that he put up, I mean, it was it was fantastic. And and he would always bet on himself. I mean, we signed him to a ten year contract, and you know people criticize the ten year contract, but you know it was only guaranteed for the first year. Then the next year, that year he had to pitch three hundred pitch, three hundred innings. Next year, and I by year three or four of the contract, he had to have 270, 275. Then it went down to 250. The contract was absolutely geared toward his incentives, and he knew that he was going to make them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it, it was performance, it was performance driven, and he didn't care because he knew he was going to take that ball 
every fourth day, not every fifth day, every fourth day to start with, and go out there and, and go out there and um, and and dominate. And and he did. I mean, look at that team in seven won fifty one games. He came up and he was he was eight and eight, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, he only pitched a, 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 I think one hundred and five innings in the minor leagues. You know, and then all of a sudden He's drafted as an outfielder. Drafted as an outfielder. Everyone forgets that, Bob. You're one hundred percent right. You're one hundred percent right. But if if he had a smile on his face and had a better demeanor, would he? He have never a, had a uh, smile on his face. Uh, no, if he did, if he did, would he? Would his stature in in baseball have changed? I think so. I think no question about that. I mean, he didn't care whether you were a New York writer or broadcaster, whether you were from Kansas City, whether you're from Toronto. Treated you all the same. I mean, there, there, there was no question. And his his deal his deal was basically, I'm paid and I'm paid very handsomely, and I'm paid to be the best pitcher in baseball. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be that best pitcher yeah. in baseball. And I really don't care what you think anyway. But you, I always knew he was kind of like Doyle, and and another guy like that was Jack Morris. You yeah. knew. Every single game they were out there, you were getting their best. You know, that they were not out the night before, that they were actually focused on the batting order of the team. They were focused on the umpire. I remember, I remember being when we when, when we signed when we signed Roger. Roger was the guy that you know was down in down in Texas and he was studying umpires. He wanted to know their tendencies, you know. So you know, he wasn't studying, he wasn't studying the batter for the the, the, the lineup for the other team. He was studying the umpires and what their tendency were. He left he left nothing to chance. He was ahead of his time. And, you know, and the good thing about him when he came in here, he made kind of two pitchers. One was Roy Halliday, and the other was Chris Carpenter. Because, you know, they'd be in spring training, and, you know, they picked up his good habits, mm-hmm. you know, which was attention to detail. Yeah, imagine if Carpenter and Halliday had stayed together over an extended wow. period of time. Wow, huh? it had been something. Hey, uh, before we let you go, and it uh, it has to be a quick answer, Um, Alex Anthopoulos, we had him on last week. How how proud are you of what Alex has done? The best. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm huge, huge. uh, Still stay in contact with him. And, um, you know, I I still remember, and I'll just give you the story. I mean, I was come back from New York back in 2002 and 2005 in the office down the hall and you know, this guy came in, he started talking to me and, you know, I walk up and said, where'd this guy come from? You could tell he thought different. You know, he thinks as a scout, but he knows the development. He knows people, you know, he's not afraid to make a decision. And, you know, you saw it last year, how he was able to reconstitute that outfield mm-hmm. and, you know, including losing arguably one of the top five players in the game. If not, some people say the best, if not Trout, Acuna, you know, he was, he was able to do it. So, Extremely, extremely very happy for him. Very proud of him. And you know what? Just done a terrific job and he'll continue. Still, still a young man. Mm-hmm. Still, still, still a young man. Uh, Paul Beeson and I have spent many hours over the years uh, having conversations like this, uh, sometimes less formally, a little, sometimes a little more graphically. But nonetheless, um, it's <laughs> one of the things that I have come to miss is the opportunity to chat with uh, this man. And um, the last 45 minutes or so have been just delightful. And I wish... We could do it more, and hopefully we can uh, before. Uh, well, we listen to him. At least we listen to him. Nobody else listens to him. No, that's right. no one asks. No, again, all the well, answers, that's where I started. All the answers, none of the responsibility. Uh, anytime you got something to say, we are here to listen. I promise you're you the that. best. You guys Thanks, are the Beeson. greatest. Thanks, Thank you Paul. very much, John. Thank you very much, Bob. Paul Beeston, back after this. Our thanks to Paul Beeston for joining us. Uh, that could have gone on forever. Well, it better because, uh, you know, first of all, I've, this is the most you've smiled in, in two years. Yeah, is, it is probably. Yeah. And, and secondly, I now have about 29 more questions for him about 29 different things other than baseball. Um, because, you know, there was, there was a time, in, in, certainly in Toronto, where Paul was always rumored to be leaving the baseball team and going to the hockey club or going to run MLSE or doing something different in addition to being the chief operating officer. Or being for mayor. Or, well, I think that was, that was, wasn't that was was that more Richard, our buddy Richard Petty, than it was Paul Beeston? Well, <laughs> uh, I don't, Beeston would never, never seriously thought about it. Petty might have. Pet, Petty did think about it. So anyway, I... Paul, to me, I, 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 I knew the legend of Paul Beeston. And the first time I ever met Paul Beeston was in Atlanta uh, at World Series 1. 
and and I was I was actually directing the CTV coverage, and met Paul that week. And here's a guy under huge extreme pressure. His team's in the World Series, and I was like his long lost brother. Yeah, and it's been like that ever since. We always have fun. We we see each other. Everybody does. Yeah. And he's just it's just amazing. It's amazing. You're 100% right. That's exactly who he is. And there's, um, I've known him since 1976. Yeah. And uh, that is a long, long time. And I've never had a single moment that I didn't want to be in his company. Yeah. Not a single moment, whether it's on the golf course, at the ballpark, um, wherever it happens to be. Um, well, you know, you, 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 talk, human being. you talked at the top of the show about, uh, you know, we're old. Uh, and every once in a while, there's a guy who has a youthful attitude, still understands the history of the sport or the game, um, and you can't get enough of. And Paul Beeston is one of those guys. He truly is one of those guys. It's a, I, I love it when, he, when, he, when he's on, and I hope, I hope some of the younger listeners and viewers enjoy it as much as we do. I hope so, and I hope uh, we... Uh, I know we won't forget about him, but I hope he uh, he agrees to come on more often because there's always something relevant going on that Beeston will have a take on. And it, it isn't always the take that is generally being accepted. He's not afraid to go out on a limb every now and again. Well, I think the whole thing about, you know, here's a guy that loves the fact that baseball doesn't have a clock, but knows that it needs a clock. That That alone is an epiphany of... You know, of uh, of of some level for you know old timers. Yeah, it's really interesting because I'm not sure whether he he wants a clock or doesn't. I think part of him says he knows I don't he needs want, it. I don't want it, but we may need it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and he's right. They need it. I mean, baseball games should be not uh, not as long as a cricket match. It it bothers me less than it does other people. Oh no. I guess because I have more time. <laughs> what are you doing now? Nothing. Okay. Wish there was a baseball game on. Nice long one. Uh, we got to go for uh, John Shannon, Bob McCowan. See you tomorrow.